friends, we're back with your favorite podcast show of the week. It's Location Weekly. It's episode number 566, and we are recording on April the 26th. Um, Abriana, how's it going? It's going. Another day in paradise, you know? How's it going for you? Yeah, it's okay. It's been a bit of a, a long, rough you know, week, but, uh, you know, we're here. It's spring. It's, uh, I was at the Jays game last night. They played their Boston Red Sox my daughter and uh it was one of those games where it was like a pitcher's duel and then uh it went into the eighth inning you know tied at two and then uh we were the home team we managed to uh hit a grand slam to win it so that's fun that is fun it's an exciting exciting way to wrap it up and you're glad you stay right <laughs> yeah exactly. exactly so and the raptors managed to stave off uh, elimination again so last night so you know things are okay in the sports world, life is good for you. <laughs> yeah, in the sports world. Yeah. Anyhow, um, we've got a good show, four stories per usual, um, a range of things today, but uh, I'll let Abriana kick us off. All right. So Incognio, we've known about this company for a while, and they have introduced a new solution. Um, it is like location-based device authorization. Um, so this is just mobile authentication um, that's really allowing you to support those mobile apps that you have and making sure that whenever you are launching a new session, in essence, that it's, you know, preventing that fraud. Um, and, and I think this is like happening more and more. Obviously, we're seeing much more transactions that we're doing with our mobile devices these days. We're storing our, you know, information on the phone. And so... I think there's been a huge increase um, in fraud that's been happening. So typically, you know, device fingerprinting solutions are not very useful on mobile devices in general. Um, and, you know, establishing that typically requires some type of multi-factor uh, multi authentication that's happening. And so, you know, Incognia is citing this as a solution to that, that user friction and like kind of the pain point of having to log in again or using MFA. Um, and so really they're just helping to decrease that risk. Um, so they're using a the device's location and then they have a bunch of different other assessments that they have um, and they can look at historical behavior and they cited that nearly 89% of the time the legitimate device um, authorizations are occurring in similar places, you know, you think your home, your office, like the general places that you spend time at. Um, so really they're just trying to, um, I would say their three kind of value propositions are um, reducing that friction with legitimate traffic and legitimate logins, um, and then reducing any account takeovers that are happening. And then the real-time validation of that, those trusted devices, um, you know, across, across the world and different geographic regions. Um, you know, I was thinking this is very timely. Like I have um, a couple of my teenage nieces who have been hacked on Instagram lately. And so they're always sending me those messages like, I need your help or can you vote for me or something like that, which is really interesting. Um, and apparently most of like they can't get their accounts back because by the time they go in and log in the next day, you know, they've already changed their password, the email to verify it, all of those things, which is very interesting that it's so simple to um, hack an Instagram account. You know, you would think that one of those very large companies would have a little bit more security. So obviously this is still um, a challenge. And 
it also brought me back to uh, my days at Digital Envoy, Digital Element. You know, many years ago, they launched a fraud prevention solution. And this is just, in essence, a take on that. It's not necessarily new, um, probably just packaged in an SDK mobile version versus maybe something that was built for um, online authentication many years ago. But it's still necessary, right? Obviously, this isn't being employed or adopted as much as it should, but there needs to be some level of authentication. And I think that understanding your user behavior, where you typically are, and then you know maybe requiring that authentication only when those risk factors are um, flagged, right? It makes for a much better user experience. So, you know, I think this is good for Incognia. Obviously, there's still a need in the market. It's a growing problem every day. They're looking to really aim at FinServe with crypto growing, um, social networks, online gaming, and, you know, some other uh, use cases that they cited. But those are some of the main ones. But yeah, what do you think? Yeah, I mean, I think it's absolutely necessary in today's age. I mean, I can speak directly, you know, on this, um, you know, I've been personally, you know, subject of uh, target for, for fraud uh, in the last number of months. The LPMA's Instagram account was also hacked at one point uh, earlier in the, in like January, I think it was, uh, we managed to get it back. But yeah, I, I think everywhere you go now, you've got multi-factor authentication happening, you know, try and tighten things up and, you know, sending you know, message to your, your your phone on text to get a code and like plug that in. I personally, I think it's good. I think it's it's important that we have these layers um, that are there. The other thing that goes through my mind when I, I hear about technology like this or stories like this is, you know, back in the early days of the LBMA, we were doing a lot of stories at that time about, you know, sort of just more traditional, um, you know, employer, um, device, uh, employee device tracking. So like, you know, you would, you know, let's say somebody works at, at uh, you know, the FBI or, or, you know, some, some place military or whatever that has sensitive information that they're working with while in the office, you don't want that information leaving the office. And so, you know, having the ability to track, you know, the device itself and where it goes, and, you know, from a geofencing as it leaves the building, you know, and then when it logs on somewhere or things like that, I think become really important. So I think employers are also cognizant of uh, of this type of, uh, of solution. So I think, yeah, absolutely in, in the world of social networks and online, you know, accounts and things like that, it's an absolute necessity. But I think if there's also an application for this type of stuff in, um, you know, employer employee settings, you know, around device management, as well as, uh, you know, obviously we've talked a lot about these types of um, anti-fraud solutions when it comes to payments, um, you know, and the, the banks and credit card companies, you know, all sort of, you know, now use location, you know, data in real time to understand is that person actually, you know, in New York or, you know, or, or not, and is that is that a real transaction that's happening or not? So, you know, things like that become, you know, quite vital in it. So, so yeah, I, I'm, as you say, it's probably not like, you know, earth shattering in terms of technology, but I think the application side of it is huge um, in terms of what they're doing. So yeah, interesting stuff. I just like to respond back, hey, just send me your bank account number and I'll send the money right away to when I get those special messages from. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, they're like, yeah. <laughs> exactly, exactly. So, all right, on to our second story. So, a uh, long time big player in the world of location data is Esri. Um, 
and they've launched a new product called Story Maps, and it's about uh, enabling content creators to unify their digital experiences uh, all in one place, you know, with geographic data um, sort of tied into it. And the example that they speak to, or the I guess the you know major client case study that they they talk about is National Geographic. And Jack uh, Dangermund, who's the founder of Esri, says every moment and memory we treasure is connected to a specific location, which is why we're making it easier to transport people anywhere in the world through richer storytelling. So obviously, content creation, you know, and and you know. Um, these experiences and you think about National Geographic, it is about telling stories and those stories are all about being connected to a place. So essentially what Story Maps does is it, it, it gives you a way to connect text and multimedia images and videos, audio links, um, and tie those all back to uh, a map um, and, and place data in terms of you know what it's all linked to and what's happening around it. Um, so I think it's really interesting. So you can build the stories uh, in in uh, with the assets inside of the story maps piece. You can publish it to audiences from there. Uh, you can create interactive maps, you know, to help people follow you along on your journey um, and things like that. So so I think it's it's you know it's it's an interesting application for you know geo and location data. Uh, to kind of focus on content creation and, and you know helping people tell stories based on that. And I think even in a corporate you know setting like you know we're in, you know uh, trying to put together infographics or trying to put together you know marketing pieces, you know having access to tools where you can kind of tell that story you know visually, um, you know with 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 mapping uh, data under underneath it, I think is, is quite interesting. So I like this. I think it's it, it's it's interesting to see this coming from a company like Esri. Uh, there's a free basic plan with, you know, um, you know, sort of a, a core set of features and then there's premium features that you can uh, subscribe to that range from um, $10 a month up to $100 a month, depending on kind of what feature set you want. So um, yeah, what are your thoughts? Yeah, you know, we've seen a lot of this, um content tied to location um, features being enabled across social quite often. So I think that this is kind of a natural progression of that, but through more of a content producer, like at mass scale, you know, I think discovery hits is like the perfect application of this. I think my question here is like for consumption, what is the adoption method? And so that's my concern is that if it's reliant on you know specific ways of consumers um, cons consuming the content that is created across those interactive maps, I think that presents a challenge a little bit, and it's a little bit of a friction point. So that's my one concern with this. But I think that it's great that Esri is kind of going to more of this like marketing, um, like media consumption type of a play, which we haven't seen a lot from them in the past in that area. So that's what I do like about this story, actually. <laughs> yeah, and they've even got like you know, on the asset side of things, like for images and stuff, they've got a partnership built in with Upsplash. Uh, uh, sorry, Unsplash. Very which, cool. You know, is is a, is one of those growing platforms like Canva and all that out there. Yeah. It's kind of cool. Yeah. Sure. All right. All right, well, let's talk about autonomous shopping for a second here. Um, American Airlines Center, where, you know, if you're not familiar, Dallas Mavericks, Dallas Stars, that's where they play. And that arena has opened two what they're calling frictionless food and beverage experiences. 
Um, this is in partnership with the hospitality company Levy. Um, and then they have an innovation studio, DBK studio. Um, so they're, they have these like market to go shops uh, at the terrace level, which is like, you know, one of the main concourses there that's on the arena. And they're slated to open up later this month. And they're powered by these autonomous retail technology. Um, so it's they're launching this from standard AI um, and then a mobile payment technology from spot on. And really they're just allowing them the autonomous experience, right? So the, the market to go locations, they have the freshly prepared packaged snacks, refreshments, beer, wine, soft drinks, all of those things. And then a consumer can go and they have to download a specific mobile app um, and they can do the checkout. They just tap like the checkout via app and they don't have to go wait in line, um, you know, and it really is is supposed to be powered with uh, the cameras, the AI powered cameras that are there, mobile payment technology to have that like checkout free system registers. Um, and, you know, there's no they're saying like touting the features of no waiting and scanning. So. I think this is cool. I do feel like when you're at a sporting event, the last thing you want to do, like you want to go get a beer really quick or something, but you want to get back, especially when you think about hockey or basketball, it's not like baseball where you have that kind of time, a few minutes in between innings where you have that little bit of a break. Um, and so you don't want, really want to miss like a lot of what's happening and, and those long lines can be really uh, painful. So I like this from an aspect that there is a pain point. Nobody wants to wait, um, even in a concert, right? Type of a thing. You want to get your drink and get back to your seat. So I think that's interesting. What I would love for them to have done is maybe incorporated this to an existing wallet, existing checkout. Um, I think having to download an app actually creates more friction and, you know, it's just kind of painful. So there has to be sort of like a happy medium, I, I think. Um, and I'm not sure that obviously they're only opening two of these. So they have their standard concessions that you can pay cash and do all of those things with um, that continue. But I think that this is cool. I like that they're testing it in the sports arena. Um, and I think that people will, will start to use it, especially those season ticket holders maybe who have seats close to where those uh, markets are and things of that nature. But what do you think? Yeah, I, I think that, you know, we're seeing a growing you know, sort of adoption of this type of technology in in sports uh, stadiums and arenas and ballparks and so on. And and um, you know, I was also at the Blue Jays home opener. Um, you know, which was you know the Jays because of the pandemic. You know, they last year they weren't even allowed to play at home because of the border. You know, travel restrictions and whatever and whatever. And so it's kind of like the first home opener. But I have to say, like from a fan experience you know the the game itself and you know all that was going on on the field was amazing but the, the concessions experience was a disaster it was um you know i got up at one point to go grab a hot dog and it was like 40 minutes before i was back at my seat right um and and it was it was just crazy like so i think that you know especially environments like this where you have and it i mean my it was sold out like 50 2000 people in the stadium whatever but still like it's packed right and and you need to create efficiencies you know to get people moving through you know much faster and i think these are the kinds of technologies that make sense for that a sidebar story or related to this though is the astros uh in houston have also have teamed up with amazon um and they've got two food and beverage stores now at minute Maid park 
with the Amazon Just Walk Out technology as well. And so again, like the, this is happening now across you know different you know uh, sports and different types of stadiums and, and venues. Um, theirs is a little bit different because um, you know whereas here you've got the um, the mobile app piece that you were just talking about, whereas at Minute Maid Park, it's uh, the way it works is is um, you um, you kind of come up to the store and they have this thing where you insert your credit card. Um, in there and then you go in and you pick up the stuff and, and it can detect what you've taken off the shelf or put back on the shelf and then when you're done whatever you've got it basically charges your credit card directly so that's kind of interesting um and how they've tied that together it's not a mobile uh payment piece um might be easier for you know sort of the mass adoption uh that you want uh in that type of environment so um but overall we're seeing more and more of this and uh yeah, even the next story I'll talk about in a second kind of relates to so. Yeah, I mean, we're what we're seeing, I think, is a lot of testing, right? Figuring out what will consumers adopt? How will they use it? What are the friction points? Just trying to feel all of that out. It almost makes me think about, you know, Disney and like the um, fast pass and the bracelet that you can pay with and everything that's kind of just like wrapped in there. But I could see a case where you know, for example, somebody comes in and they're just like, hey, whatever, I want to do the all you can eat and drink package here at the stadium while I'm here. And I just can go up and grab what I want when I want it. And I have like some type of a fast pass type of a deal, um, you know, because like you spend a lot of money on that food, but, you know, you think, hey, maybe for 30, 40 bucks a person, you know, and you get however up to however many trips to the concession stand <laughs> for your drinks and, you know, snacks that's a pretty good deal and not having to wait in line. Um, just kind of that grab and go mentality. So we'll see. I mean, it's, we're going to see like what consumers will adopt, how will they behave? Um, and then that's going to change again because that's what happens in this industry and keeps us talking. Yeah, about it. <laughs> absolutely. So moving on to our final story now, which is directly related to this uh, as well is Instacart, um, you know, might, you might remember last year acquired a company called Caper. Um, and so now that they've kind of, you know, integrated that into, you know, what they do at Instacart, they've launched two new AI powered payment uh, platforms, one called the Caper Cart and the other called the Caper Counter. Um, the Caper Cart basically auto detects items in your shopping cart scans the items directly um, and then you know completes a checkout experience uh, for you so they're piling this right now at uh, a bunch of retailers across the u.s uh, plan to expand and roll this out so it's a it's a sort of automated you know detect what's inside your shopping cart and then basically just you know you automatically uh, pay and, and transact and walk out and so on the um, the caper um, <clears throat> counter though is 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 really interesting. So this is a kind of you know big box device, kind of hollowed out with a like a, a scale kind of thing built into it on the bottom, and uh, they you you place your items on this, um, and then basically it kind of you know calculates what's there and then um, you know. Um, charges you accordingly and they're they're testing this right now going back to our previous story they've got this uh, in pilot right now at Boston's Fenway Stadium and Pittsburgh's Heinz, Heinz Field uh, and they're doing this in partnership with uh, Aramark Sports and Entertainment so the one of the things that's interesting for me besides the the piloting that's going on in sports that we've been talking about is uh, the first story that you, you you mentioned they had partnered with Levy and that was with Standard AI 
technology. You know, then then I, I mentioned about you know um, uh, Houston uh, Minute Maid Park. You know, working with uh, you know uh, Amazon's technology, and now you have here Instacart and and Capers technology going into you know uh, Fenway and, and and Pittsburgh. But the other part of this is is the first story. You know, they had partnered with Levy, and Levy's like a you know a food you know restaurant distribution type of uh, of service uh, that runs concessions and things like this. Um, you know, cafeterias and, and so on. And as is Aramark, uh, you know, who's the partner here uh, in, in this particular case. And so it's interesting to see that those types of companies that are in the business of cafeteria operations or, you know, concession operations or things like that, you know, are the ones that are sort of, you know, leading the charge to bring this technology into the, you know, their client environments um, and kind of, you know, moving forward on that. So I think that's really interesting. Um, yeah, so basically the the cart or the counter technology here that's in these two stadiums, you know, visually identifies the items by shape, color, key features and sizes and then basically it's all contact free uh, and much faster to check out, right, which is what we've been talking about about, you know, that speed of moving people through. And what are your thoughts? Yeah, I mean, it, I was reading that they said it was like 65% faster than than traditional, you know, methods. Yeah. So I think that yeah. that's like a huge win. And what I also feel like has been happening in the background is that we took so much time away from having these experiences and being in these crowds that there was a little bit of a buffer there for people to start thinking about how do we make this experience better? How do we make it more enjoyable for people to come out? How do we make people feel safer? How do we let them um, watch the game more? So there's like more investment that's going into that experience. Um, and I think it's really very cool to see this happening again in the sports stadiums, but also just in general, right? Checking out and, um, you know, saving time there. It also makes you think about whose job are they taking? <laughs> but um, for sure, that's well, it's a need for sure. Absolutely. Yeah, I could see like this kind of thing, you know, every year here um, for like 100 years, there's been this like huge um, like fair with like carnival games and you know uh, rides and all of that like it's a massive thing called the Canadian National Exhibition it's been going on for a century plus and it's a massive thing it runs for two weeks long I've been to it like a thousand times and and it's you know there's so many like situations where there's huge long lines you know for food for rides for whatever I, like and I just the more I think about it like I wonder if there's ways to apply this kind of technology even in events that you know or situations like that where it's just you know on for a week or two um you know might be cost prohibitive at this point but you know hopefully you know in time those those costs come down uh and it becomes something that you know can actually be deployed in a mobile temporal kind of setting like that yeah for sure anyways so that's our show for this week uh you've been listening and watching episode number 566 of location weekly we thank you for your time if you have story ideas please reach out to us we're always uh, up for uh interesting news that uh, is happening around the world of location uh please give us some feedback uh some likes some love uh some criticism whatever you got we want it um and um we'll see you next week for another show have a great week everybody bye bye Oh, 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 oh,